Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Demovia Kugo, back again with my guy, L. First and foremost, my apologies about last week, but L held it down. Uh, each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. Uh, this week, we're joined by founder of Black Arrow FC, the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Dolores. Uh, we'll be what talking. About how you feeling? We'll be talking about Black Arrow FC, spreading Black culture across the sport and future endeavors and more. Uh, we changed up the format. You guys are used to it by now. So we start off with two truths and a cap. It's our icebreaker round. Um, we're going to get to know uh, Aaron, and hopefully I can get back on track because L's been uh, kicking my ass lately in this, in, this, in this game. So two truths and a cap. What you got? All right. So I got, let's see. I got... Um... I used to be, uh, I used to be a Man U fan. Um, I went to summer camp in Finland, um, and I'm half Mexican. Ooh. Okay. How did someone used to be a Man U fan? That's interesting. Divorce is the last name. It was a good play for the. Uh, you said half Mexican, but it's probably another uh latin culture I'm say i'm gonna say man you just because finland seems too like random to be a lie i mean i don't know yeah finland like you don't just you can't just say finland yeah i'm going uh you're you're not half mexican you're like half uh something else um that's, that's true yep 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 that is a lie that is a lie <laughs> <laughs> That is a lie. Okay, I thought so, I'd get uh, you with my last name. So yeah. So what? Uh, what is your ethnicity? I'm actually half white, half black, just straight, straight up. Yeah. Okay. But um, my mother, my mother's um, her second husband was his last name was Dolores. Okay. And um, she was raised her her maid, my mother's maiden name is Dick D I C K, and um, my father's um last name is cox so <laughs> this is true story and so um her you know being raised with the name dick when she married dolores after she left dolores um and got with my father she, it was either going to be dick or cox so she just kept dolores <laughs> and i thank her wow. and i thank her for that yeah, yeah that's great <laughs> okay respect um, that's a that's a great icebreaker <laughs> yeah Great. Hey, you wanted the icebreaker, I'll give it right to you. No, nah, yeah. So uh, first thing we ask every guest on the show, it's like our, it's our mantra. You know, when did mm -hmm. you fall in love with soccer? Yeah, that's easy. So um, during the 2014 World Cup is when I fell in love with it. And prior to that, you know, I did play in high school. So I, and all the way up until high school. So I always enjoyed playing but it was i loved basketball more as a sport and as an athlete and i, I ran track and i was best at at track um and so i always just played soccer to stay in shape for um for basketball and, and for for track um but during the 2014 world cup prior to starting black arrow i used to throw parties and so I always had my eye on like, where's the best party around the world? And so the World Cup was always this like, to me, it was like, I bet that's where the most cracking parties are. Um, and so um, me and some of my boys were gonna 
go to Brazil um, for the World Cup. And as we started kind of looking into it and just being like experienced travels, we were kind of like, uh, it's just going to be like a tourist trap. Like it's better to see a Bra Brazil at another time. Um, and so my boy, my, my best friend at the time, Brady, actually, um, he had been living in Costa Rica during the 2010 World Cup. And he was like, yo, when Costa Rica was playing, like, you didn't want to be anywhere else. You you wanted to be like in the streets with the with the people. And so um, we devised this plan to go to Europe during the um, 2014 World Cup. Um, and we timed like being in different um, cities when their World Cup games were, were happening. Um, so we were in Croatia for the opening um, match of the World Cup, which was um, Croatia versus Brazil. Um, and in 2014, you know, Croatia like wasn't as big as they kind of became after the 2018 World Cup. But um, they, we were in this small town and the small town had this like ancient Roman Colosseum. It's like right across the water from um, from Italy. And the, the night before the, um, the the World Cup, the mayor decided they were going to show the game in this like ancient Roman Colosseum. So it was like... Um, you know, me and three of my um, best friends, um, all black dudes, and it's like we're in Croatia. It's like you know, here we are, fifteen thousand like Croatians rolling into this, um, you know, stadium. Uh, you know, on the water. This is this like historic stadium, and they're playing Brazil, and they score first, and you know the the flares are going off, and we got Croatia jerseys on because we're like fuck that, you know, so. That was just kind of like my aha moment, if you will, like as as an American, you know, I 100% had this perspective of like, uh, like, I don't get it with soccer, you know what I mean? Even um, even as the one that played, I would say I probably had a negative perception of like, if soccer came on the TV, I'd be like, why, you know, get this off of the television. Um, in, in that moment, I guess more than anything, it was very much like, I had this sneaking suspicion that like I was the one missing out, you know what I mean? Um, and so we went on to um, Italy um, and saw how they were kind of experiencing the World Cup and what their perception was. And this was in the group stage. Um, and then we went to, um, we went to, to Switzerland. Um, so we were in Zurich and like there, you know, Switzerland was playing, but then also like there's a lot of international people there. So when Colombia played or France played, they had like, you know, they had this one central hub in the middle of town where everyone, no matter where you were from, got together. And it was just like, you know, you would see Colombians rolling through there and Argentinians that live in Switzerland that, you know, Switzerland like created a space for them to like celebrate. It was very Swiss. Um, and then we were at um, Brandenburg Gate um, in Germany. Um, you know, it was uh, Germany versus um, Portugal. Um, 100,000 people out there, you know, one of these like huge, you know, watch parties. And so, um, you know, just really getting to see um, the, the, the connection to the culture. And like, if we had have gone to just one of those places, I don't think I would have been as into it because I would have thought that that was just unique to like that place. But seeing how you know everybody had their own different version of, you know of it um we also then went to frankfurt and watched the game at um where um, on track frankfurt plays i didn't know who that was at the time um they had a game versus ghana that was like that that game that that stadium experience felt a little bit like you know 
the, the Berlin one was very cosmopolitan. That one felt kind of like a little bit, you know, should we be up in here? You know, while they're playing <laughs> Ghana type of thing. Oh. But, um, you know, so yeah, that was, again, that was my, you know, I, we might be wrong about this. And um, it wasn't until actually I launched um, Black Arrow three years after that, I spent the next like two or three years um, just kind of like, um, trying to look into the space and just asking the general question of like, what are, okay, this is this whole global phenomena. And I was really more than anything motivated by not wanting black people to be left out of like what that experience was and what this whole, whole world is. Cause I was a little pissed, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so y'all know about all this and we don't, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, um, eventually I was just so, um, and then I would just do Google searches of, um, you know, black and soccer, and I never saw really anything happening. So I was just like, wow, this is like a, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity for me to, um, I, I, I literally got into the sport at the same time as I launched Black Arrow, you know. Um, so uh, the, the culture got me into it, you know. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we're going to get into it a little bit later, like the wonderful thing you started with Black Arrow. Um, but you talk about all these experiences, you know, if someone is new coming into the to the game or the sport of soccer, or the culture of soccer, what's like one game, if you have to choose international, like international cultures clashing, what's just like one game or one place to like watch a game? In the U.S. or like if we could just transport anywhere? Transport anywhere. I would maybe... I don't want to be too, you know, hyped on the Premier League, but I would maybe do, I really want to go to a Liverpool game prior, prior to Super League stuff. But, um, you know, my, from from the outside looking in, I've been to a Man U game. Um, it was, the vibe wasn't like probably what it was back in, in the day. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, from what I can see on TV, that Liverpool kind of experience and the way that the fans are, you know, into it would be, um, you know, will probably be game changing. But I think it, it it also depends. Like, it could be a little bit of a turnoff. Like when I went to the first Man U game, you know, I'm as an American, I'm like, where's the tailgate? Like, we're here yeah. to celebrate and have a good time. And like, people were walking in there, like, they weren't nobody was there to have a good time. You know what I mean? Uh, like, they were. <laughs> there's yeah, no bars in there. The <laughs> yeah like the fans were pissed walking in you know they they won and they were pissed walking out and i'm like y'all aren't even having a good time you know what i mean so long <laughs> suffering fans right there man <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah i think that i think that would um you know and i think anything in the bundesliga would would be amazing is just as far as like um something different and um and, and just like the energy and, and and the vibe you know what i mean um i yeah yeah so like growing up obviously leading up to you know this 2014 experience and then the next three years starting black arrow growing up you said you played soccer kind of just like a, a stopgap. so you never played club soccer you didn't have any friends that like played soccer seriously from a from like a youth competitive standpoint no i mean it's interesting that no one's ever asked me that like i played soccer um when I when I feel well, I grew up in Oakland and I went to high school in Marin County. When I was in Oakland, 
Um, my mom lived um, up in Montclair, which is like the, the hills. And my dad lived down in East Oakland, like in the flatlands. So I, I very much grew up in these like two different two, two different worlds. My mom put me in um, the Montclair League. And like after the first year, she was just like, this is too white. Like she just didn't, she didn't like the, the, the dynamic, if you will, you know. Um, and so she put me on the um, the Oakland Raiders down in East Oakland. And that was like a few black people and a lot of um, like Vietnamese and Mexicans. Um, and that was just like a much more, um, I, I, I really appreciated that like experience. I, I mean, I'm very young at the time, um, but um, it just kind of felt more like I, I belonged there. Um, but, you know, Growing up and all the way through high school after that, you know, um, soccer was very much like that was my time to go be in the white world. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I, I didn't really like feel like I was part of that world. I didn't really care. You know what I mean? But my, my best friends didn't play soccer. I wasn't, you know, I, I knew everyone on the team. We were, you know, we were we were homies or whatever, but we didn't really like hang out outside of, outside of that. So um, yeah, it, for me, it was always just like, I wanted to stay in shape and I would literally like mentally be like, okay, for this, you know, after practice, you guys are going that way and I'm going that way, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I didn't really think of it any further than that, you know? Yeah. So obviously this is like a whole different landscape growing up to now. So say um, post, you come back from the 2014 World Cup, you know, you're doing your Google searches, um, searching for, I, I would say, soccer culture in the Bay Area, your Bay Area through and through. What was yeah. like, what's the soccer demographic or the Bay, Bay Area demographic from a soccer standpoint in the Bay Area? Yeah. So like at the time growing up, the reputation was soccer is a Mexican sport. That was like what I thought of at least, you know, and, and maybe like people in the hills thought of it like as differently, but that was like the the way that it might have been like talked about on the schoolyard, you know what I mean? Like black folks play basketball and like football and like, you know, soccer is a Mexican sport. I don't think from from my perspective, it was, my mom was seeing kind of the, the racial, like this is kind of a, a white thing, but for me, um, I, I just always kind of saw it as something that Mexican people were into. Um, and so um, black folks, nah, mm -mm. Um, just not really, um, nah, <laughs> they, they really exist, you know? And, and I, I think, and then it was, it was just like a more, if you, you know, for wealthier people, you know, played, yeah. played soccer, if you will. And so that was the main demographic. And then when, the earthquake um, started, like, I had no visibility or lens on that. I, w I was playing soccer, but it wasn't the launch of Major League Soccer to me was nothing. I didn't care. I thought, you know, I probably would have thought it was a joke. You know, I was right. Oakland A's, a Raiders fan, um, Jordan fan. Like, I didn't need to think of, you know, I wasn't like thinking I needed another hobby or, or anything like that. So, um, but to your question is like far as looking into it, I think actually at the time, and I, I wish I could remember some of these guys' names. One of them was Dutch. Um, but when I was looking at the roster of like the San Jose earthquake, 
Um, I think they maybe had like four or five different black players on the team. And so, um, you know, like one of them was um, Dutch. Another dude was from Michigan. Another dude was from San Diego. Another dude was from Ghana. And, you know, that was a a big surprise to me that that, um, there was actually like black people on the pitch. You know what I mean? And that was an encouraging thing for me to start Black Arrow because I'm like, cool, you know, uh, try to bring someone to a hockey game. If you don't see yourself on the pitch, no matter what, you know, as, as simplistic as that is, you know, you want to, you want to see yourself on, on, you know, on the, on the pitch. So, um, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, think, a, that's an important thing you bring up, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, at least so- soccer in the States, you know, seeing African-Americans on the pitch, you know, whether they're from Africa or Afro-Latina or, you know, African-American, um, I think we need, need to see more of that. And, um, Hopefully, as the marketing efforts continue, yeah, we'll start to highlight that you know across the leaks. Because yeah, um, when you started, you know, getting into the sport, and obviously when I started playing, you know, you didn't really see a lot of people highlighting that and like exposing it to like, yo, these are guys that came up where you came up or how you came up, and you know, yeah, yeah, do what you want to do. And I have, I actually have a different perspective on it a little bit in the sense that like, because I wasn't into it, like I wasn't so frustrated when I got into this like soccer bubble and people were um, talking about like how there there was no diversity because I myself was completely disinterested. I mean, I did a semester when I was in college in London and I didn't even, I don't even think I witnessed soccer on the newspaper or on television at all like I, I just you know i think some black people have this like you know glaze over their eyes when soccer comes up it's just like get you know like you gotta look somewhere else so yeah. um that's where the marketing lens of this came from and like wanting to expose more people to the game i never did it out of frustration i already always put my efforts into like okay well how do we you know how do we make it worth like why should black people get into the game was always the question that I, you know, wanted to answer. So like our first event, um, then when we launched the brand was to a San Jose earthquake game. So what I did was like, I bought a hundred, um, tickets to the game on the same section. Um, and I was, you know, I reached out to the sales guy and they, you know, he hit me back. So like another thing I love about soccer is like, you know, you could talk to somebody, you can't talk to anybody at Golden State Warriors, whatever. So, um, you know, I, I, I got these seats. And then what I did was I threw a party, like at a brunt spot in Oakland. Um, I resold all the tickets to like people in my network, because I came from like, I used to throw a party. So I just know a lot of people. Um, and um, we threw like a brunch party. And then I uh, chartered a bus. And we all got on the bus and we went to the game. And essentially that was my tactic. Um, you know, we didn't promote it as like, come see San Jose versus, you know, uh, Colorado Rapids, right? Because yeah. like, who know, who cares, right? But it was more like, we're gonna get together, we're gonna drink, we're gonna party, we're gonna get on a bus. And then, you know, we're the final destination happens to be a soccer game, you know? And yeah. then, um, once people got into the stadium, like half the work was really done from there. You know, people were like, oh shit. You know what I mean? Like people were like, I didn't even know, like, who is this again? Like, this is major league soccer. Oh, it's not, oh San Jose got a team. Like, you know, and then people were hitting me up after like, when are we going back to a game? So 
in that moment, I just really realized the community aspect was very important because like, it's just not something that a lot of black folks might want to do just on their own. But if we're all doing it collectively, it doesn't matter. We could be at a winery, a soccer game, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think the good thing about like a soccer game is that you, you know what you're getting into, even if you're not uh, privy to it, 45 minutes break, 45 minutes, yeah. then you're out. You know, if it's football, basketball, you got timeouts, commercials, all these stops and, you know, stops and goes. Whereas soccer, you know, you're kind of in the moment, you know, you get to hear the players to a certain extent, depending on what stadium you're at, the chance, yeah. all that stuff, that plays a factor. As it pertains to, you know, your first event, you know, getting mm -hmm. to Black Girl, how did it all come about? Because, you know, you had the 2014 experience, then you did two years, three years of like market research, searching on your own. What yeah. was that pivotal moment to like, all right, I'm going to start this? Um, yeah, so there, there, was a, there was a few things that were lining up to that. So my um, prior to that, I first was in the tech industry. Um, and that was something that was like, boom, get out of college, you go get a job you hate, that's just like what you do, right? Um, and after working that for like five years, um, you know, I really wanted to just do something independent. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to build something. I very much like considered myself a, a builder. Um, and so I, I started this brand um, called Mixology, spelled with I at the end. Um, and we uh, were throwing parties in the Bay Area. We started throwing parties in New York and Los Angeles, um, just like at that time, I had a very diverse network from like where I went to college and like growing up in these very different worlds. And, um, you know, the, the nightlife scene and the party scene was like very segregated. And, um, you know, a lot of people just like really appreciated going to a spot that was like eclectic, had eclectic, um, you know, music. This is like, this is like 2007 or eight or whatever. Um, and so, um, building that brand over time got me into some of the like diversity work and um also from a content um content creation standpoint i started creating a lot of uh, content about music and culture you know um and like i found myself getting into like reggae music and afro beats and dance hall and um really just like eventually i realized two things um that i was very interested in like um the the kind of this interconnecting of um like the, the internet starting to connect these different pockets of like black folks from around the world right so you're hearing like drake you know uh, doing songs with like um afro beats artists right and i'm like oh wow it's like these 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 cultures that are very independent and sometimes insular are starting to like unite and be like oh damn they've been doing the same thing in our own communities um and then on the flip side this this brand that i had built at the time off of like this concept of diversity our events and over time um went from being like very diverse events to just being all black and so eventually i was like so like only black people like want diversity with you know i'm just like why am i not just like let's call this black instead of diversity um and so just seeing that transition really got me, I would say like motivated to 
want to do something more that was like unapologetically black and like really um wanting to like um highlight the you know kind of the, the cultural heritage um in like a in like a, a modern way um and so when i was at, at the same time um it's kind of a long story but um you know through like reggae music i had very much like started to learn more about like Jamaican cultures. And through that, I started to like get more exposed to Africa. It was actually like through reggae that I even thought of Africa, you know? And so um, when I kind of looked at the landscape of soccer, I saw two things. Like I saw this need for the sport to, um, you know, to be cool. And I came from this cool kids world. So that, that part was easy for me. Um, and then I saw, you know, the foundational truth was that soccer is the black is the is the biggest sport amongst black people around the world you know and um then i just realized we in america were the only ones that didn't you know so i'm like if all i gotta do is convince these cats you know then like that's um that's something that i'm willing to take on so um you know I th i'd say the last part of that was like just kind of like the business side and learning that the the global game was very much like interested in growing in, in into the US um, and that there was a lot of just like um, foundational research and information just about what happens when, um, you know, black people adopt your product, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether that's the NBA or Hennessy. And so, um, yeah, I guess I would cap that off by just saying like, the, the moment that I really got motivated about it was, it was basically when I started like, you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this, but what, what are we gonna name it? You know, cause then it's like, if you can't come up with a dope name, you kind of be like, I might not even do this. You know, like that's how simplistic shit could be sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was researching for months, um, like I, I didn't want it to be something, you know, with like goal or score or footy or whatever. And so, um, I found the story of Black of Black Arrow, um, and you know, which is Gil Scott Heron's uh, father being a. Uh, for those that don't know, that the story of uh, Black Arrow's Gil Scott Heron's father was a professional player who came from Jamaica and um, played in Detroit, gave birth to Gil Scott Heron, and became the first Black player to play for Celtic. Um, and the fans at the time had, this is in like the 1950s, late 1950s. Um, had nicknamed him the um, the Black Arrow because he was fast and black, and so um, you know it wasn't necessarily just that story, but like what I found was that anytime I looked into something black in soccer, I always went into this rabbit hole of some amazing story that I didn't know about. You know what I mean? It was like you just you know you start looking and you start researching, and then you're just like, oh wait, you know like. <laughs> You got princes and you know you got you know it's like george Weah, like he's the president you know what i mean it's like you start you know peeling back these layers and you know out of pure curiosity and wanting to just like really participate in exploring our own history um you know that that, that motivated me the most to be like um this is a never-ending treasure chest that will continuously um feed um me for the rest of you know, my life and feed our community, you know? No, that's what it's all about. I think uh, 
you know, I've been around the block, you know, L's been around the block. Everyone's like, you know, you know, Aaron, you know, Aaron, from right there, you know, you know. And it's like, yeah, he's doing amazing work. So obviously, you started um, not being in the soccer space. You know, you caught a lot of uh, early success. What would you say is your like biggest breakthrough? Because you've done some amazing partnerships, you've done some amazing uh, collaborations, you've done some amazing campaigns, and you know different things within the community, both uh, domestic and globally. What was that like? All right, we're here to stay. Moment for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think like prior to that, I do want to mention that like also when I started this, without being very like in tune or knowing anyone in in soccer um you know although i didn't know kaylin carr um but um I, I was a little bit worried because all you kind of hear about at at that time is like the racism in soccer um and so and obviously this is long before the current like social movement where there wasn't as much um like unapologetically black things that were like proposing to be um you know uh, global or, or or national or whatever, and so um, the response from the soccer community was a big part of the motivation when I put it out um, twofold, which was people of um, you know uh, non-black people reaching out and saying we need this and and we support this and we love what you're doing, um, and then black um, former black players or black soccer fans reaching out and being like yo, you know we need this, we love this. And a lot of times sharing their stories of, um, you know, like I maybe I didn't feel comfortable playing a black soccer fan or I, the thing that was like constantly repeated is like being a soccer fan was very much like a personal thing. Like you wake up in the morning, you watch the game by yourself. And at that time there wasn't like kind of this united like community. You kind of, you had to go in an Irish bar and be the only black person there. And, you know, so, um, that response from the from from the individuals and the soccer community as a whole really kind of motivated me. Um, we launched the brand by, um, you know, doing that um, event at San Jose Earthquake. Then the very next weekend, we did the same thing in New York with NYCFC. Um, we filmed a video for both of those. Um, we got a um, like a shout out from Kaylin Carr from um, when I uploaded the video on. Um, for the San Jose one, and then NYCFC, actually, after I had um, reserved the, the the tickets, they um, they sent their bus out. It was like this double decker um, kind of like tourist bus to like pick up our people, and it was like that for free. Um, and so, just like being able to like get a hold of the team, and like it, it, when I put something out there, like there was this response that was a big you know thing for yeah. me. Um, and then, you know, the very first piece of content we did um, was this like, just like online edited video called Why Black Folks Love Arsenal. And um, my boy DJ Mama that um, does everyday people had uh, told me, he was like, yeah, like everybody knows black folks love Arsenal, but why? You know, and so um, I started asking people around and doing my own research um, and you know, kind of finding out like, okay, if you were in this part of the world, um, it was, you know, if you were in Africa, it was because they were the first Premier League team to be on television in, you know, South Africa. You know, if you were in um, England, then it was because of this. Or if you were Nigerian, it was because of, um, you know, Canoe. If you were in the U.S., it was because of Thierry Henry. And so 
I thought that that like project, like um, really like um, it was then shared by like Arsenal fan TV. I didn't know what the hell that was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that project really like, um, you know, motivated me. But um, moving forward, it was, I would say like um, coming up was the Atlanta United's first um, home opener um, in, in the new stadium. Um, and so we had, um, I put together a weekend of like events and activations where um, we did like uh, Friday night and we had this party called the Kick Classic. It was just like a party at like a studio, DJ, play FIFA. Everyone had to wear like a different jersey to get in. Um, and then Saturday we did a street soccer tournament, um, you know, where different teams in the tournament were like, um, you know, like a DJ crew or like a record label, like people in Atlanta that were of the culture. And then we did a tailgate with a footy mob um, for Atlanta United's home opener. And I, again, reserved um, hundred tickets to, to the game. And um, subsequently I invited Copa 90 down to, um, you know, I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Like tell this story, you know? And they sent down Aaron West, they put together a documentary, a short documentary called, you know, the black soccer culture, no one knew existed. Um, and that was a big part of like amplifying what we were what we were doing and a big part of why everybody after that thought I lived in Atlanta for the next, you know, next year. <laughs> um, you know, and um, so that that led us into, you know, World Soccer Shop, I think was the first like real like corporate entity or brand to um sorry to um you know start working with us and we started doing like creating content with them um doing photo shoots we did their world cup catalog and had all black people in like poland jerseys and shit like that which was really dope <clears throat> eventually the counterpoint moment was um eventually um you know the big moment i think was our partnership with as roma we just released <clears throat> finally years after uh, the documentary but um you know, having a club of that international scale club who I didn't know who the hell was before I started um, Black Arrow, um, that really kind of like earned us <clears throat> a lot of respect in in the industry and let people know that we were we were here to stay. You know, um, and that was very much driven by um, an individual at the club named Paul, who um, you know when uh, AS Roma started supporting Nigeria during the World Cup. Um, like publicly, because um, the the 2000 uh, sorry 2018 World Cup, um, Italy didn't make it, and so Roma as a brand had uh, started supporting um, Nigeria, and it was because of this guy Mark who we ended up doing the documentary about. But I just reached out to him and said, "Yo, you know, you're just an old white dude, but you know, thank you for doing that. You know what I mean? It's big because you know it's like having that this, you know, Rome." was the center of the earth and um and, and the center of, of of where a lot of white culture comes from and so having someone um you know have a public gesture like that with a brand that has that much history um you know i, I just reached out and said thank you just personally you know what i mean and we ended up talking and um you know i said i would love to tell the story of why you did that you know um and so, yeah, I would say that that, that partnership really is what, um, you know, started to, to set things off. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's amazing. And that, that, that whole story was amazing how it all came together. And uh, if you haven't checked out the uh, the documentary, make sure you check it out. I'm sure we're going to have that in the show notes. Uh, for the people, Appreciate it. Yeah, for the people that are into like content and, you know, branding and partnerships, uh, do you have any advice for that? Because, you know, you've done partnerships with Roma, Wolves, Black Players for Change. Um, yeah. how, how much of it is being proactive it? proactive and how much of it is, you know, obviously you've reached the point where people are reaching out to you. What are some tidbits that people can learn? Yeah. So um, I would say the first year I spent just focusing on building the brand, right? Because when you reach out to somebody, you want to have something to show like, hey, we've done something ourselves, right? Uh We could do this. We could do this for you, right? the second year of the brand was really like then developing like the business model. And at the time we didn't, we didn't have a huge platform to offer. Everybody wants the fan, the eyeball, yeah. the access. We didn't have that to offer. And engagement rate and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. We didn't have that to offer, but what we did have to offer was like, we can create the content for you if you pay for it to make it look cool. You know what I mean? And so with, with that, I started to develop this kind of ad agency model of um, partnering with teams and leagues. And, um, you know, if I'm going to bring, you know, and that was based on like, you know, my, my, my business knowledge. Um, and that was also just based on like pure um, fairness, right? Like if you want fans, then you pay for fans, just like everybody else, you know what I mean? Because as I'm bringing this game to the black community, I'm not going to tell fans to go be an Arsenal fan or a Man U fan or whoever. If you know, if if there's nothing coming from that, right? Um, and so, um, you know, really just like developing. Um, I think the most succinct answer to your question was um, is that like I started writing a lot of proposals and like and. Um, I, my suggestion to anybody that wants to work with anybody, especially if you want money out of them, is you got to bake the idea and you got to think it through from a 360 degree capacity. So, um, you know, I didn't um, I didn't call people up and say, hey, you know, let's work together or let's, um, you know, let's do this or that. I, I reached out to people and I asked questions about, you know, I ask questions of teams and leagues and brands of like, what do you need? How do, what do you need help with? Um, how, how does your business, how does your business work? And then I, you know, I went to my computer and I sat down for half a day and said, here's what I think we could do for you to, you know, help you um, kind of uh, reach that, reach that goal. And that, um, you know, inevitably became the, um, the core of like what our, our, our business model is, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think the advice is just basically like, especially this day and age, like um, you got to think things through for people, you know, especially if you also want to get something out of it, you know, so I I would write 10 page proposals of like, here's what I think we should do here. You know, I don't know your business that well, but I've researched it. And like, I think that you're going to like this. And I think that you probably are motivated by this. And um, you know, and I would lay the whole thing out, you know, and then that becomes the impetus of a conversation to then get to the next stage. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's a, a big focus. And like, you know, 
a lot of teams got, you know, a lot, a lot of teams can go back through their email right now and see, you know, that I, I hit them up. I was hitting everybody up. You know what I mean? Um, at one point now we, we have enough partners where I'm kind of, I like to rely on who reaches out to us, you know, because it's just a much more like um, natural conversation. And, you know, if the intention is there, I don't want to have to like convince you of everything, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, everybody got an email. <laughs> I think the numbers sure. game. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving us a little bit of that game because yeah, um, yeah, you know, me personally, you know, building two cents sports uh, with my partner, like that's one of the things that we are trying our best to kind of unlock. It's like how do we get to that next step? You know, how do we you know work with teams? How do we work with leagues, etc.? Um, and definitely like use you guys as like a model and kind of like you know see you guys as like a template. To a degree, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um sure. we're, def- we're definitely looking to expand into other sports, but like just what you guys have done in soccer and the way that you kind of niched it out, you know, with yeah. the lens of the black community and, you know, putting black sauce on, you know, a team's brand or a league's brand um, is definitely ins- inspirational to us. And I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah. And and to everyone, to let everyone know, like soccer is a business, you know what I mean, first. Yeah. And, and, so, and I knew that. And so like also like I didn't, I didn't care. None of these people were um, heroes of mine, right? So if a team wanted to work with me, I had no problem saying like, you know, um, so, you know, what's the budget? Because like, it's not a great pleasure of mine to, you know, uh, promote ABCD team or a certain player or anything like that. And so for anyone that is in, you know, either you're a fan and you're a customer and that's a great thing, like be a fan and a customer um if on the on the flip side if you want to be in the business then it's very much about understanding um how this business operates who the players are how they think and man there's no better way to learn any type of business than through the football industry because it's global and it and everybody touches it from Gatorade to ESPN to to Nike to teams to leagues to uh, nonprofits. It's like, it's an ecosystem that is, um, you know, airlines and marketing companies and Budweiser. And so I was, I, I've had a great time personally, and I would suggest anyone else like really um, dial into like, what, what is this business and um, then figure out what your offering is to, to the business. Um, and, and I didn't want to make black people customers as they had to get into the sport because yeah. that's not fair. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're the crown jewel. So I'm not going to pay black. I'm not going to make black people pay me. I'm going to ask the industry who is the stakeholders to, you know, support at least subsidize what these projects are. And I, I felt like that was just fair. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. I think it's amazing, you know, what you said about, you know, giving value, providing value and then getting value for what you've done. So uh, I know L wanted to say something, but I just wanted to point that out real quick. For sure. And I had a lot of teams that and people come to me and say, hey, we want to do this for the black community, so come do it for us. And I would always say, like, yo, I don't need you to go straight to my community. I'm going to do that with myself. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's there's been this, like, eagerness to get black people into the sport. And I, I maintain this perspective of, like, I want black people to do whatever the hell they want. And if, but if the soccer industry wants us as customers, then like 
there's a cost associated with that, right? Because I'm not going to tell necessarily as much as I love it and support it and all that, you know, I'm not going to necessarily tell black folks that you should do this over gaming or, you know, any other hobby that's a go, go read a book, go be a lawyer, go be a doctor, you know? So I think that that perspective of mine was always important to me. No, I'm sorry. I know you were mentioning earlier about the projects that you've done and like, you know, the tie-in with Aroma. Um, so let's talk about your newest project, um, Niger to Roma. Like tell us, I guess you kind of gave us a little bit of window of how that came about, but um, yeah, talk about that a little bit more for us. Yeah, this it's, it's our biggest project to date and it was a lot to get over the line. Um, so when we created the, um, the partnership with, um, with AS Rama, we sat down with them and kind of just kind of understood. The first question that we ask is like, what is going, you know, what, what stories and what individuals within your brand, um, you know, are black? Like what, what black stories do you have existing and, and kind of like working with them to, to tell those and highlight those stories, right? And so um, when we met Roma, um, you know, they said, hey, there's this Nigerian radio host who went viral after the Champions League. And we put out this joke kind of, you know, with this tweet, like jokingly inviting him to a game. Um, and that like led to them eventually, um, you know, supporting Nigeria during the World Cup. That eventually led to Roma creating a partnership with the Nigerian national team. Um, and then enter Black Arrow, um, you know, one of the things that the, the guy that worked at the team, Paul, said was like, you know, this guy that started all this has still never been to a game, you know. And so um, I was already all about like, I wanted to give black people their first chance to go to a soccer game because like that was the core of what I, that's how I got into it. And I wanted to like, I knew that that was going to be a big deal, you know. And so um we basically were like, um, actually at the time, the other project that we were doing with them was a short documentary with Mel D. Cole, the hip hop photographer. Um, and so I was in the meeting, it was me, Mel and Roma. And, you know, Mel was just like, yo, if you want to do this, you, you got to go to Nigeria and film it right. You know what I mean? You can't just start turning on the camera when he gets to Rome. You know what I mean? And so um, they, you know, we ended up getting some some budget to go do that. But I then invested like, um, our own money and our own time um, started working with our videographer who's originally from Nigeria. And um, we essentially, you know, we didn't just like shoot the documentary. We kind of helped facilitate his entire trip to, to go there um, because like um, there's a lot of coordinating that needs to happen with like the club. And then mainly like we don't realize as Americans, like our passport gets us everywhere. Right. Yeah. Or people in, people in Nigeria in order for you to go to um, Rome like man it's paperwork on paperwork it's fees you got to go to the Italian embassy you know things got to get processed and all of that so we really kind of worked hand in hand with Roma to help like see if we could first get him access um, to, 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 to leave the country um, and so um, we went to uh, eventually we flew out to um, Nigeria. And um, one of the interesting things that we didn't really get a chance to highlight in the film was that um, 
he was supposed to leave with us um, to go to Rome, um, but um, his visa didn't come through. And um, that was like, it, we kind of had to pull that part out of the film actually, because I mean, you know, this is like taking a, taking a kid who's about to walk into Disneyland, like right to the gate and being like, mm, nah, we can't, you know, you can't come, you can't come in here, you know? And Mickey Mouse and all them are like, you know, come on. So, um, you know, uh, we had to, it, it ended up being um, a really great thing for the project because he was actually just gonna go to like some regular season game or whatever, it wasn't gonna be that big of a deal. Um, and so we ended up um, coming home, we filmed everything that we did in Nigeria and, um, you know, Roma was actually at that time trying to think like, wow, we put a lot of effort into that. Like um, there was some things that weren't filled out properly on the, um, on the, on his visa stuff that, you know, they had to go back through the process, right? It's really, the Italian consulate is not motivated to say yes, to get into Nigeria, to Rome. Their, their job is to turn people down, you know what I mean? So if one one little thing is wrong their their job is to say no so um anyways we ended up um still moving forward with the project and um the game that he was going to go to was you know the, the quickest his visa could come through was going to then be the last game of um uh, the season which was um even at that time we still didn't know it was daniel derossi's like last game because he was still trying to figure out his contract um, but it ended up being, you know, the last game of Daniel Dorasi and this, like, just kind of this whole epic moment for really AS Roma and their fans. I didn't know who the hell Daniel Dorasi was, honestly. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was, it was a very, like, personal story because, um, and I hope that that came out on film because it was like, I was there with him we were working to get him to like, go, you know, experience Rome and go um, see, see this, you know, be in the stadium for the first time. And it was a lot of work to, to, to get to that part. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it came out and then the whole editing process was a, a really big deal, but um, you know, it was, um, you know, it, it ended up really just being a story about, you know, a guy who got an opportunity to go just on a re really great trip. You know what I mean? Um, we, we didn't want to like promote this, like, hey, being like Italy's better than Nigeria. But for for, for Mark, for him, it was, um, you know, it was just the time of his life for, to get to go do that and to have an international team, you know, roll out the red carpet for him. So. Yeah. Um, and then I reached out to Copa 90 and they loved the film and they said, yeah, well, we would love to release it with you. So, yeah. Um, it trips me out, you know, from the beginnings of like Black Arrow to like, I never really thought, you know, that AS Roma would be the like, our first documentary would, you know, that's not like a logical thing, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think people, they see the work you guys put out, but they don't understand like the work that it takes to put that work out. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I listen, I got, um, I had to bribe my way in and in, into the country and out of the country, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we was, <laughs> we, we was in the streets, you know, like no insurance, like, you know, and, but we were like being black, we were able to maneuver that, 
where it's like if you are a white videographer you would change the you know the scenery as soon as you arrive but you know a big part of how we were able to capture some of the stuff in Nigeria was that we were able to like blend in a little bit. I mean, open your mouth, they know. And for me, they know. But, um, you know, Amobi knows, like, it's like, um, you know, it's, when we got to Lagos, we had to be like, all right. You got to be on your P's and Q's out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, and, and we needed to figure out how to move around. I, the, the smartest thing I did for any uh, you know filmmaker, anybody that wants to create content in another country is like we hired, uh, we got in town, asked some questions, and a guy introduced this guy. They call him a fixer, you know, and he's the dude that um, you know would um, he knows like if you want to shoot a music video or a documentary or anything like that, um, he's the one that can move you in and out of these spaces and like generally keep you safe. You know what I'm saying, like. Um, and and, it, and and I don't want to like present it like it was unsafe, but like if you want to walk into a community, you got to check in, you got to tap in. You can't just show up with cameras, like you know what I mean. There's cats Absolutely that not. need to, you know, you need to let some people know. You know, other people you don't need to let know. And so he would he would bring us into all these like um, areas um, where you know it was like he knew the he knew the little homies that kind of ran that block you know and he he had the street cred to be like yo my folks are coming in we're going to be in here for you know an hour shooting whatever and um he he kind of kept he had that pulse on like he could read what was happening where we, we 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 couldn't see that type of stuff you know and so he would know like hey time to go like they're asking too many questions you know what i mean like <laughs> So that was, um, yeah, like, I, I just, I got to learn a lot about, um, you know, about Nigeria, man. And like, I had, I had, we, we had this other documentary that we filmed in, in Kenya that we won't talk about now, maybe on another episode, but um, getting to learn about like um, Nigeria, you know, my first time in Africa was Kenya. So I'm thinking, okay, that's what Africans are like, right? I got to Nigeria and I was like, no, no, this <laughs> you know these these folks are different and so it was it was really cool to just kind of experience like you know um you know kenyans are naturally a little bit more um, quiet don't they don't speak to these you know they, they still get live and hyphy but then in nigeria just to see the difference between those different pockets of people and to have it be so um so clear was just a, a you know a big learning experience for for me as an african-american you know um because you, you you can't you can't group people in africa together like so different so diverse that's facts that's facts nigeria is different from ghana different from kenya different from ethiopia and that's what makes africa just in general so amazing so if anyone gets the chance to visit the motherland highly recommend it um but you're gonna have to be on your p's and q's but just like <laughs> everywhere else it's just an experience you can't you can't explain it until you're there, uh, like Aaron said. But I'm glad you got to experience it, and I'm glad the documentary came to life because it's it's something that we definitely uh, need to see. I think everyone remembers the the call after the Barca collapse when Roma came back and won, but then yeah. the season actually go to the game and you know have it for De Rossi's final match in a, a, a AS Roma jersey. Um, that just like the kind of the circle of life moment for him. 
Um, yeah. I think it's really amazing. Yeah, and it was, I think the cool part about it was like, these games create these like, you know, it's like this sonic boom that happens and there's all these like stories that from off the pitch that are created by any, any win, any game, any, you know, even the super league, like anytime something happens, um, the reaction of people in the, in the community from all over the world is very different. And so mm-hmm. for, for that Barcelona game, for him to record that video and then, um, you know, one day be walking into that, um, you know, stadium in, in that moment was like, um, to me, that was like, I felt like I helped solidify black people in the building on that day, you know, yeah. and that day shouldn't mean anything to black people. Otherwise, Daniel DeRossi is Italian, but I feel like I was able to bring Nigeria into this like historic moment and just like, boom, like we're here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, obviously you did a Niger to Rome documentary. And like I said before, it's going to be in the show notes, but um, you recently announced a docuseries with USL. I'm not sure how much you could talk about it, um, but yeah. can you give us like a quick rundown? No, I'd love to talk about it. Um, yeah. So last year, um, last season, we did like a more of a studio show and that was the middle of COVID. Um, but, um, you know, this year we're going to do a... Um, a two-part um, documentary kind of series, similar to, I would say, kind of like the Copa 90 style where um, our host, who I can't announce that yet, but our host will kind of go in and experience, um, you know, like a, a USL, like not just a match, but the surrounding community um, and, and and kind of like get get a, um, a look into the, the grassroots culture of, um, you know, of, of soccer in America. And, you know, to be, to be honest, like, um, working with the USL has been amazing for me because like, it's given me the time to think about and understand like grassroots culture, soccer culture in America, um, a lot more than I did. Like when, when I started Black Arrow, I knew really quickly that like the grassroots was important. And so I always like jived with it on like a, you know, kind of a spiritual level, if you will, but working with the USL and then like um, getting the time to like, look at all these different pockets of, of soccer and, and having the league um, be in communities like um, Charles, you know, uh, Charleston, where um, you have this racist stuff going on in Louisville. It's like, you look, I'm looking at this whole landscape and I'm like, damn, these are like the long lost black cities of America here. You know what I mean? Like we put so much thought into like what's happening in New York and on the coast and stuff like that. And this, um, the current social movement, you know, to a large degree has been led by, um, you know, some of these, um, you know, some of these cities in America that um, that prior to that had been getting left out of like the the narrative. So um, that's not necessarily what like the story is about, right? But um, you know, it's, it's, it's been, um, just having the time and being able to put the focus in and listening to the fans and having, uh, meeting the people at the team and the players, um, and just like seeing, get, getting a better look at what, you know, um, of, of, um, of the people that are really like doing, doing this shit for the love of the game. You know I mean? Yeah, you know, right. you know, like you, you're, you're, you're in it right now yourself. Um, and so, 
that's that's been amazing for for me and and i and i don't i don't mean that to like as like a positive pr thing for like the usl because it's like the more you get to know these people you know you got these cats um that you know unlike like you you played in major league soccer you got these cats been playing in the usl for 10 years you know and they're in the communities in the ground you know volunteering and doing a lot of things that like other soccer players just would never even have the dream of, of doing so. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that we have um, a special group of black players that are playing at the grassroots level in, in the USL and in the MLS cats, you know, as well, hundred percent. But um, I, I just been impressed by all the, uh, all the brothers that I met in the USL and their, their focus on, um, you know, doing shit the right way and, in the community and, and growing the game. So. No, yeah, that's what it's all about. There's a lot of uh, players and staff and, you know, um, other stakeholders when it comes to USL that are doing a great job in terms of the growth of the game. Um, and they've been doing it for quite some time, you know, um, you know, I came into Austin about two years ago and just to see and learn more as I've played in the league um, that, you know, there's some people that are in the weeds, not getting, you know, the credit that they deserve for the growth of the game. You know, everyone's sure. looking at MLS, but USL has done this part. You know, NISA is coming in recently and ASL. There's a lot of people um, that have done amazing. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's good that, you know, you're given a platform to share their stories as well. Yeah. And the fans, man, you know, the fans are like, man, if you are rocking with the USL team, like you're doing that for the right reasons. There's no, you know. Yeah, if, right. if, you, if you're a Warriors fan, like, all right, three championships, you know, 72K, like, that's easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's and, the um, new Warriors fans, though. <laughs> that's the new Warriors fans, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of them. Um, but, um, you know, overall, like, when I first started Black Hero, I caught soccer fans, so I was, like, a little bit nervous. I'm like, y'all are a little bit too into this. But, like, as time has gone and as I've, like, really immersed myself, I've kind of grown to love that like mentality of these soccer fans that are like, this is my local team. I'm going to bang the drum no matter what. I'm going to support them. I'm going to act like they're Manchester United, you know, because they are to me. So, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, So obviously you talked about USL. There's a new team in your neck of the woods, Oakland Roots. Um, But before Oakland Roots came about, you know, there's this famous uh, establishment, the Athletic. Uh, mm-hmm. the athletic club. Can you talk yeah. about that? Uh, and you talk about uh, like how important is that that establishment to the soccer culture in Oakland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm part owner of um, a sports bar here, a fairly new sports bar here in Oakland called um, Oakland Athletic Club. And um, that this kind of um, opportunity um, came about maybe a year and a half after I had started Black Arrow um, and, and really started to understand, like looking at um, the landscape of soccer fandom in the U.S. and um, realizing that here in the Bay Area, um, there was like, you have to pick and choose where you go watch a game, right? It's like, you got to go, if you're an Arsenal fan, your game, you go here, I mean, you fan go here, Tottenham, Barcelona, whatever even seeing like Facebook event pages being like, this is a Barcelona match. If you're a Real Madrid fan, do not come here. You're not welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I 
getting involved, like one coming from like the nightlife and already having that background and just being a sports fan, you know, every, every man wants to have a sports bar. You can go in, grab a drink and get some food, whatever. Um, so that was motivated by that. But um, I, I kind of being able to take the lead on, um, you know, figuring out the strategy of how to make a diverse, um, you know, uh, soccer, um, soccer bar, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so from the, from the very early on, and, and also because of the size of our bar, we have a little bit more opportunity to put different fans in like different places when the same games are on. Yeah. But um, there was a concerted effort twofold was to um, make it, you know, so that, yo, you know, talk your shit, do whatever you want. But like, this is not your space. This is for all soccer fans. That's Mexican national team comes on. I'm putting the sound on that game just as much as I'm going to put it on if Arsenal or Man U are playing. Right. And so just like setting that tone amongst the people that came there, that this is for people that love soccer and uh, you can have your, your game, but you don't own this space. Um, And, I think that went a long way in, you know, we Colombian fans coming out, Argentinian fans coming out during the World Cup. Um, the opener, the opening of the last uh, World Cup before I went to Colombia, we showed the Russia match. And there's this um, this dude that, you know, he was there at five in the morning DMing us. So you guys going to be open for the Russia game? You know what I mean? And like, we were like, Russia, you know what I mean? Like, it's a tough one, <laughs> you know, but we opened it up for him and like he came in, he's watching the game and eventually other people are rolling in. Next thing you know, 10, 15 people are rocking with Russia just because this dude cares that much. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, that, and then like internally working with my partners and stuff to um, obviously with football coming on in the morning, um, there's a, there's a big um, hurdle from the business side to open for soccer because not like people are coming in and drinking that much and um or eating that much and stuff like that so um i had to really hammer home to my partners like yo there's gonna be some mornings that we open up that nobody's gonna be in here but the fact that we are going to be open eventually like it will pay off and um you know it's it's really started to do that so it's, it's cool to build a diverse you know um soccer space because um yeah it's you don't have too many of that in, in the U.S. No, respect. Sure. So I don't know. Um, I know Moby mentioned Oakland Roots. Uh, obviously, the only pro soccer team in the town. Um, mm-hmm. what, what has been your involvement, if any, um, with them? And is there are there any plans to kind of do a Black, Black Arrow Oakland Roots collaboration, kind of help tell that story a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... When the roots first were launching was maybe four or five months um, after I had started Black Arrow. And um, the the founders, Benno at the time, Benno and Idris, um, had reached out to me and was like, hey, this we have this wild dream and we're, we want to build a team. And, you know, um, do you want to, can you help us out? Do you want to, you know, partner on this whole goal or whatever? So, um I didn't at that time again I was very very new in the soccer space and they you know so I was just kind of like what, like what league are we talking about here you know what I mean like oh, in, in one mind um and then in the other mind just being more like 
okay, boom, like soccer people are asking me to get down. Like I'm like, I'm gonna get down, you know what I mean? Um, and so um, er, very early on, I was able to just kind of like help them figure out some of the, um, you know, the outreach to the black community and, you know, the messaging and the uh, approach of things like that. Um, you know, but as like our brand started to like really take off, you know, I kind of was put in a, in a position to be like, all right, um, you know, do I think local or do I think global here? You know what I mean? Um, and with me owning all of, all of Black Arrow, you know, that was kind of my, my priority. So um, I can tell you that like, it was a complete pipe dream at the beginning in, in the sense that it wasn't like there was just a bunch of money sitting around on a table and somebody was like, we're gonna make this happen. You know, um, credit Benno for, you know, being the cat, I, I heard the interview with Benno on the, on the show. Um, and, and Benno was the guy that was just like, crazy enough to do this whole thing. You know what I mean? And you need someone mm -hmm. like that early on that's like, all right, whatever, like, it might be impossible. But like, it, you know, if there's a glimmer of hope, I'm gonna I'm go with this. So I actually would like roll around town with Benno and go talk to people and try to talk to investors and stuff like that. And I was in a lot of conversations where people would tell them no, and you're crazy and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, eventually, um, you know, them launching the brand and, um, you know, getting funding, like is, I look at it as like a big opportunity for Oakland and professional soccer in general. And I also just look at it from the perspective of like, the same way I look at Black Arrow, like, yo, this shit did not exist. It was not promised. And like somebody literally like envisioned this and then brought it to life. Now, you know, now I walk around the lake and it's like, I see Oak and Roots jerseys everywhere. You know what I mean? And that's like, it's not a given. So um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm excited. Like we did a project with them. Um, I'm sorry, we did a project for our partnership with the USL last season, like highlighting the roots. So there was kind of, you know, coming for full circle to have like the USL funding for us, a project to tell the story of the roots. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to um, seeing how that, how everything goes. There's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of like black people in Oakland that just think that's an Oaklandish shirt or, you know, think that it's um, just a clothing brand, right? But, um, you know, this, so there's a lot of work ahead, um, I think, I noticed that people in soccer kind of like see the buzz, you know, um, but there's still a lot of like work to do from the black community's perspective here um, to let people know that this is a game that's actually happening and it's at Laney and, you know, um, so, yeah. No, yeah, it's gonna be exciting to see how they, you know, obviously it's like, like you said, a lot of buzz, a lot of like um, with the branding and stuff, they did a great job, but I would definitely want to see what they do in the community. And yeah, shout out to Benno for sure. Um, you know, for what he's done to the Oakland community and bringing that uh, entity to the to the community as well. Yeah. So, um, outside I think Sacramento of, staying in the USL helps too. Like having uh, that, definitely. You know, being able to have that like rival that they can now go play with that already was almost in the MLS. Like that's going to bring a lot of amplification to. Um, you know, to the team here locally. Yeah, and if USL was smart, they would add a team in Stockton too. Just have a whole. <laughs> well, uh, there's one in Monterey coming. Did you see yeah. that? 
Yeah, Monterey yeah. coming too. So yeah, you yeah. know, there's there's a big market in Northern California where you can really take advantage, you know, in that lower level league. So uh, we'll see what they do. Let's you know? all start the team. Let me. Let me <laughs> yeah, Stockton's gonna get some. <laughs> Stockton will get a lot of fans. Let's do it. Yeah, you get the whole that whole region. I'm for down, sure. man. We start uh, Stockton. Is 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 brother man still the mayor over there? Or he moved on. Uh, no, I think he's still there. I think, yeah, I think he's still there. Oh, that's easy. All right, cool, yeah. cool. We got the budget there. Yeah, but with that being said, obviously, you know, the growth of soccer's coming, World Cup's coming into the States, you know, uh, a lot of good things are happening stateside. Black Arrow specifically, what's your ultimate vision? What's your ultimate goal, like, five years from now? Uh, where do you want to see Black Arrow? Yeah, so I, I wake up with this every single, you know, morning um you know my my vision and i think what we're building is for you know black arrow to be eventually become a, a, an institution if you will um you know so having have already worked with uh, the usl and international teams and brands like i see there being an application for black arrow um for for all of the various stakeholders in the industry for one and then um for two uh, what we're doing right now is um, we're launching these these verticals, you know, because um, you know under the umbrella of black and soccer, you still have all of these other like subcategories. So um, we've we're on the you know we just brought on um, a woman named Sitara Murray who played in the NWSL and at Liverpool, and um, she's building out um, Black Arrow Women's Game. Um, and so kind of just applying a lot of the same things that we've been doing, whether that's from partnerships, events, creating content, she, you know, she reached out to me and said, yo, like, I want to tell black stories in soccer. And so, um, I said, boom, let's go. You know what I mean? Um, and, um, we're launching, um, with, uh, one of my good friends, um, Mosito, who's in New York, he's South African, another guy that I met from, you know, uh, creating this brand who reached out to me and said, yo. I love what you're doing. Um, he's um, he's leading the vertical of uh, Black Arrow Africa, and so um, just creating more content and more projects. We um, already have like a client, um, Chipper Cash, who's um, based in the, uh, San Francisco, but whose uh, market is Africa. So um, expanding. Um, I would say less expanding, like within Africa, about picking up the, the fans there, but also just like bringing the vibe and the culture of of Africa of the domestic game in Africa to like Americans to kind of experience that right um because it's like for there it's just it's way easier like here if I want to film something or shoot something like black soccer I almost have to stage it you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. um it's not as grassroots or I have to go through a team to get a player or whatever so um uh, we're, we're launching that eventually we're going to launch um gaming um and so um and then we're, we're doing a lot of film content as well so um the evolution of our of our business is like um you know kind of just like looking at these different verticals within um what we do and then like building out teams and efforts and, and projects um you know w within that so um you know, and maybe one day I'll get a podcast on the um, Two Cents, you know, network. Hey, uh, we can make that happen, make that happen <laughs> next week. 
uh, and yeah, you know, like um, when I started, I could say honestly, like I don't think there was anyone doing anything like um, kind of openly under this uh, concept of black and soccer. There was a lot of players and fans that have, you know, who I've since like connected with, um, whether that's you know, Marisa Du or Josie Altador, are you like that um, have been like, um, you know, uh, running with this for a long time. And so, um, you know, I think like participating in um, in, in, in all of the, um, the different like emerging, um, you know, entities that, um, that, that are black soccer. And, and like, I think that we're very slowly starting to carve out, you know, our own kind of mini ecosystem here. And so, um, you know, figuring out how, how that all connects in, I think is a, is a big part of like what we all need to do. Like, it was an honor for me to be invited by the Black Players for Change um, to, you know, come into the bubble and film, film their documentary, you know what I mean? And like, we, you know, just, just, just to be in a position to kind of like execute on that. And so, um, you know, I think a, a big vision or dream and hope of mine is to like continue to grow so that we have more time to like work together. You know what I mean? Um, and, and try to pay our bills. That's, you know, that's the- 100%. That's the hard part. <laughs> you know, and that's the, uh, I think if, if I can talk to your fans and, and from the business standpoint, like I think that's the, that's the, we have to, focus right now on, on building together and like you know making sure that there's we have equity in what's being being built otherwise we're going to pass this whole thing off to non-black people you know like mm -hmm. you know like like hip-hop did you know what i mean like we got this culture and then oh y'all started this old record industry and now y'all run it yeah wait hold on now we wait, we didn't we didn't get the grammy like hold on you know what i mean so I think that um, being being thoughtful and sensitive about um, you know keeping everything in house. Like we only use black photographers, we only use um, black videographers. Like um, every dollar that we get, I pay out some black creative or someone on my team to like build back what we're doing. And I think it's an, it's a very important time. You know, you guys are a part of that for sure. No, that's yeah, low. no doubt, man. Definitely definitely a big proponent of the mission of us sticking together. There's been a lot of us that's popped up, you know, over the last two years or so, you know, we got a lot of black, you know, soccer podcasts out there, right. you know, Ban Banter Pub for the culture, mm -hmm. you know, Chop Soccer Pod, Diaspora, yeah. like I can keep going, Shea Butter yeah, FC, yeah. like it's yeah. a bunch of them that, that popped up. And so, yeah, I feel like it's very important for us to continue to stick together. And like you said, like, you know, not hand it over to, you know, another culture to kind of run with it. Like it's our, our job to kind of, you know, stay, stay tight knit. Yeah. And yeah, build, yeah. Build within each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there's strength in that. I think like we, um, we, we all had this entrepreneurial spirit that that's what created hip hop. Right. Like everybody was like, yeah, nigga, well, I, you a rapper, I'm going to be a rapper. I ain't going to go, <laughs> you know, work, work for you. So I think that is really good that all of these things are like popping up. Right. But, if you're if you're watching what's happening in rap that all the guys at the black dudes at the top that really uh fueled that industry they're now getting together and realizing like 
what they left on the table by not getting together earlier on. You know what I'm saying? And they're trying to, they're, but they're having to inch back their equity from who they handed the thing over for because the record label came in and said, you know, take your money up front. I'll, I'll keep the, you know, I'll keep the masters or whatever. So I think it's a good thing that there's a lot of things differently popping up. Um, and so hopefully we're in a time where the awareness of like what's happened before doesn't doesn't happen again, you know, because this is it's the, uh, we got the key right now, you know, this is a, it's a market that the entire world wants, you know, and I try to tell people that like soccer in America is not about American soccer. It's not about U- the U.S. national team or MLS, you know, it's the, the game globally is trying to come here. You know, Facts. and they're and the global money people are smart. They did the research. They talked to the ad agency. They said, "We got the key over there." You know, and we come up. So that's 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 our that's our treasure right now. Is like, you know, they need us on the field and off the field. You know, so I, I hope that we continue to build and unite. You know, for sure, that's what it's all about. 100%, man. I so talked to my man, but I get I get hyped <laughs> when uh. You know, I get hate talking about the stuff, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. We definitely need it. We definitely need more conversation like that as well. Um, but let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show, No Car, Yellow yeah. Car, Red Car. Uh, so this is a rapid fire segment of the show where I'll read off some news topics. Okay. Um, and you'll give your opinion on them. Uh, you and Moby will give your opinions on them using the soccer card system. So okay. no card is I agree with it or I'm cool with it. Yellow card is I can go either way. And red card is, you know, obviously I disagree or I'm not cool with that. And then kind of give a little explanation of why you gave it that card. Okay. Um, got it? Yep. Let's start with the Moby. I've been talking too much. <laughs> All right. All right, for sure. All right <laughs> so first up, no card, yellow card, red card. The European Super League, the try and the fail. That 48 hours <laughs> yeah. of, of straight, the suitor, you know what I'm saying? So... What kind of card do you get? What card are you giving this attempt at a closed soccer league, Moby? Yeah, I gotta give it a red card. I mean, <laughs> delivery, timing of delivery, the whole concept as a whole. Um, yeah, it's just they doing about it the wrong way. I think they're trying to use it as a leverage tactic for Champions League and UEFA, uh, but there's different ways to go about it, and they like none of the teams were on the same page. You know, everyone's wishy washy. Uh, yeah, so I got to give it a red card. Yeah, I give I, I give it a, a red card, but I give it a, a it's a I think it's an important learning moment for fans and to better understand the business of of soccer and like you know what are a, a big part of the conversation now is like the, the you know how fans voice their disapproval and how all those things happen. From U.S. perspective, I think it is important to understand. Um, that like they were basing that on our data right like this thing is about a TV deal when these leagues go into negotiations with the NBC's and CBS and ESPN's they negotiate you know the deal and then what okay what games are going to go on and they look at the data and they say you know and, and as someone that owns a sports bar I can tell you when West Ham is playing you know Leeds nobody shows up right only when the big teams are playing each other and so there's um all of the data in soccer is even when like liverpool plays west ham 
you're still not going to have as many people as when Liverpool plays Arsenal or one of the other big teams, right? So all of the data is telling these broadcasters that whether or not these teams are good or bad that season, fans outside of those markets only want to see these big teams play each other, right? And so that that's the thought process that got these guys thinking that they mattered more than the game, which is a huge red card. But um, I hope that it... Um, helps promote more of like pulling off of the top teams and 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 finding interest in the the um the other parts of the league because i think that's where the fun stuff is you know what i mean um yeah yeah all right so kind of staying in that vein just kind of but they're tripping they, they're, those dudes are tripping like, they're <laughs> yeah. tripping idiots yeah that was a shit show where they tried <laughs> to roll that out um so kind of saying this kind of happened like during the the kerfuffle of the Super League, <laughs> your boy Jose Mourinho and his staff were relieved of their duties at Tottenham um, after about a season and a half. So, what card are we giving the Spurs for their decision to drop Mourinho after such a short time? Aren't they about to play in a final too? I'm giving Tottenham. I'm giving Tottenham a red card for that. Tottenham. They don't. Tottenham doesn't deserve nice things at the moment. They just they mistreat their coaches. Uh, you know, Mourinho didn't even get like two seasons there. I'm a big Mourinho fan. I'm Mourinho tell, uh, <laughs> like people can hate on him. Yeah, like I love his tactics. I love his personality. I think he's a winner. Um, obviously, his style doesn't fit everybody. But at the end of the day, if you want someone that's going to give you the best chance to win, he's one of those coaches that you got to choose from. Um, I'm not saying he's like your first choice, but uh Mourinho's a guy that's going to get it done. Obviously, he likes to do it his way. Um, there's different ways to go about it, but big Mourinho fan. Think Tottenham uh, should have gave him more time and definitely not fired him. Um, so yeah, red card for them. Yeah, I give it a, I give it a more of a, a yellow card because I think that you know what you're getting when you get Mourinho, and so they should have known that, and you know, and probably. Uh, just been like, hey, we gotta like ride this out. Um, I did. Uh, Manchester United was going to be my kind of the team that I supported when I first started watching soccer because Lukaku was on the team, Pugba was on the team. There was like Rashford and and actually Pugba and Lukaku were just like they helped me kind of like understand the 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 technical side of the game a little bit better because like I never really you know understood necessarily like how important passing was as like a midfielder until I seen Pugba just like drop a ball right on the forehead of uh, Lukaku you know what I mean and so um, that was when Mourinho was uh, coaching them and I think he didn't get enough credit for that year when they finished second to um, to Manchester United um, and he through his tactics really like held that team together like got the ties when they needed them won the games that they needed them and yeah they didn't beat Man City but Man City was the best team in the world by tenfold that year. So, um, yeah. you know, but I, I think at the I think that Mourinho's coming up of like this new wave of uh, soccer players that um, you know they got the big bigger contracts. They don't necessarily they have their own I think interest and idea of how they want to be treated, coach, and, and literally how they want to play. I think is that a is a big thing now. Is like these players are starting to be like. Like, I want to play in this offense, you know what I mean? And so, um, 
you know, I, I can't be mad at him getting fired because damn, if he was a black coach, like you just, you can't act like that. You know what I mean? Um, so, but, uh, as a character, I, I, I love him. And I, you know, I think that, um, he tactically, I wonder, and I would, you know, lean on you guys. I, I feel like his style of play is like, is kind of becoming the old guard. And I, I was thinking with, when he took over at Tottenham that he would, you know, um, change up his style to be a little bit more open and, um, and fast paced. And so, um, you know, you, you live, you live by that or you die by that literally. Right. Um, yeah. so I think Tottenham thought they was getting Chelsea. Jose ended up getting man you Jose. They had to let yeah. let him get let him get his proper budget too. I mean, he only had one like one proper transfer window. So yeah, yeah. Um, so where do you think he lands next? Oh, that's tough. I think he goes back to Italy somewhere. But I feel like I feel like the top the top Italy teams are like sorted right now. So it's like he's not going to England. He's not. He's not. You know. Yeah, it should be interesting. Go back to Portugal. Uh, like national team, the national team set like they they're they're good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I heard on Total Soccer Show them talking about how like he he might be better suited for a national team just because like that style of play to like win a tournament is um, yeah. you know it's is is the way to go. So um, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the maybe that's the the look, but um, we should be talking about Lukaku about to win Serie A. That's that's a story that we should be talking about. Speaking of Lukaku, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm interested. Yeah, I, I definitely wonder. Would wonder what the bookies are saying about Mourinho's next destination. Yeah. All right. So last one. Uh, no car, yellow car, red car. Marshawn Lynch joins the Oakland Roots ownership group. So what card are we giving the Roots for this move? For bringing him on board? Uh, I'll say yellow card because it should have happened sooner. I mean, this is something like, I'm not saying he's like the unofficial mayor of Oakland. So like for them to announce it now, uh, but I don't know the, the behind the scenes factors, you know, but that's something like, you know, you talk about being in the community and you know, not just giving people T-shirts and having them rock it, but like, yo, we want you involved. Dame Lillard, uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, all the people, all the Oakland greats. Like, yo, we want you in some capacity. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to be too tough of a critic. So, yeah, I'm gonna just say yellow card. Hey, I say I give it a um, no card. You know, I think um, I don't think he knew about the roots. Yeah. Until more recently, you know what I mean. That he's a he's a tough dude to um to like sit down and also like getting in in bed with him like professionally. I'm imagining that that negotiation took a, a little bit of time because he has a lot of people that are you know reaching reaching out to him and trying to get them involved in in, in his brand. So I definitely think it's a a huge um, a huge move. I, um, I think that like Oakland fans and Marshawn fans are not going to necessarily just be like, all right, I'm going to the game because it's just, it's become natural now for like celebrities and people like that to be involved in things that then their fans don't necessarily care about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think I, I, it was definitely a big conversation in like the soccer world, but 
Um, most of my friends that aren't into soccer did never even heard about it. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I think there's a, a big opportunity to, um, you know, get him to understand or that, to, to see the, the bigger picture in soccer. I think he's doing it right now for Oakland and for the, for the community. And I think there's a big opportunity once he kind of learns that that's there, um, to like become more and more involved. So yeah, no oh, car for sure. What I will say though, is I love the partnership that Marshawn Lynch and Roots did with Goal Setter uh, to get into the community and offer financial literacy. Um, so that's a big play. You know, I, I know Marshawn Lynch said he was adamant that if he was going to do a partnership, they had to, you know, back their dollars um, with, you know, involvement in the community. So uh, that partnership with Goal Setter, a savings app uh, is a uh, big time. Yeah. And that was left out of the, the a lot of the storylines. I mean, it was it was a byline in there. But um, yeah, I think that that um, is, is a smart move and, and the right thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, that's it for no car, yellow car, red car. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time, Aaron. It's always a pleasure to tap in with you. And I know we connect from time to time. Uh, for sure. Everyone's asking about, you know, Black Arrow. You know, Aaron. You know, Aaron. It's like, uh, so <laughs> you, uh, share your story, how you got into the sport, um, what you continue to do in the space. It's amazing. Uh, for you. anyone that wants to tap in with you, how can they get, you know, connected? Yeah, um, anywhere on social media, Twitter or Instagram, or it's probably best, um, you know, at Black Arrow FC, um, you know, shoot shoot me a DM, shoot me a message. I usually respond to, to everybody, um, you know, assuming that, you know, coming correct. So, uh, you know, <laughs> love for um, the, the support and, you know, for anybody to, 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 to you know, to touch base and then, um, you know, see what we could all, all do together. And, and yeah. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Make sure you tap in with Tim. Uh, we're definitely going to have all the information in the show notes. Uh, once again, thank you so much. That's our show for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at two cents FC. Check out our merch at two cents sports.shop. It helps support the show as well. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. Um, the only soccer show that's giving you unfiltered thoughts and opinions every Friday. Hope you guys enjoyed. Catch y'all later. Peace out.